Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey everybody, Patrick Connor here, and welcome to the Knuckles and Gloves podcast. We have a special, very special guest today. As you guys know, sometimes I do some interviews, sometimes do some talks with some people who aren't normal co-hosts. And today I have my buddy, Holly Lawson, who's Hi. coming back from, oh my gosh, almost 10 years of not fighting. But yep. I've been seeing you in the gym. I've been seeing you out there training. And then you announced you're coming back. Man, yeah. a lot of people are excited. How are you feeling? Um, I'm excited. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's also nice just to talk to somebody that I'm friends with, so I feel comfortable with this. Um, it ain't going to CNN, so we're good. I mean, it might. Uh, well, I mean, I can't guarantee it won't. So. Um, yeah, no, I'm feeling good. I'm two weeks out of fight, which is, you know, stuff is sort of dialing in, weight cut, uh, which I haven't done in a while, which, to be honest, is like the least fun part of boxing. All fighters know this. Uh, definitely the least fun part, but um, everything's cool. I'm kind of really excited about this fight. I'm excited to be fighting at home. Um, I have a lot of people that I've kind of gotten to know in the last like 10 years, and it has been 10 years, which is a, seems like so long, but also seems like the blink of an eye. Uh, and you know, they'll have the opportunity to come see me fight, and the fight will be streamed not sure exactly there's a, an app and i do not have the logistics yet but it will be streamed um so you can watch it kind of internationally which is cool and i'm really stoked i'm excited to be coming back so i mean you're looking at your record and that's probably one of the first things people are going to go mm-hmm. well i should before that i should preface it by saying if anybody does know you they're going to often know you from social media, like from Twitter. You're hanging around Twitter. I love friends with a lot of us on Twitter who are in the... Twitter is the one I like. Twitter is the social media I enjoy. It's, it seems almost kind of like the most real. I, I could be off on that, but it definitely people drop some real shit on there anyway. But, you know, um, people, a lot of people in the boxing world know you from social media, namely Twitter. But they're going to also look at your record and they're going to say, wait, some of them might not even have known that you were an active fighter at one point. Mm-hmm. And they're going to look at your record and see five and two. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I actually noted when looking at your record that I thought was, I mean, I guess it's kind of almost the fact that it's unusual is in itself its own discussion. Mm-hmm. But that being said, uh, often when you look at women fighters and you look down your record, it's tough to find a winning record. Honestly, like, and that has nothing to do with you. It has more to do with the lack of, of high quality opposition, but nonetheless, seven opponents and out of the seven opponents, even in a fairly young boxing career, five out of the seven had winning records. And I mean, that almost seems like a really low bar, but that is significant, especially in women's boxing. Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, the two losses that I have were decisions and they were both kind of questionable. One was my pro debut and uh, I ended up becoming friends with the person who was the referee for that fight. And the announcer actually, I ended up knowing him later, kind of later in my journey. And he was like, 
you know you won that fight. Did you not notice that I held your hand up? And I was like, no. And then I knew the ref. I again got to know the ref. And he was like, yeah, you won your pro debut. Why did you not contest it? But I didn't realize that was a thing. It was my pro debut. I had so much going right. on in my life that was just like. You have to like hire an attorney or something. Tumultuous. Like, like it would just seem like a lot. And I didn't even know you could do that. So I was like, okay, fine. And then the second one um, was at like kind of a private event. And uh, it was like a private like black tie thing. And I think Roy Jones was there and he came up to me afterwards and was like, you won that fight. And I was like, okay, well, I thought I won that fight too. So, you know, I didn't get beaten, beaten. Um, but yeah, I definitely fought winning opposition. I wasn't allowed to, you know, my coach now who I had after three fights, um, so I had for the last four fights in my career, uh, w it wouldn't let me fight. Like I was offered, I remember I was offered a fight with someone who was turning pro and she was like, at the time she was like, I don't know, early forties or something, right? But she was turning pro at that age. And she didn't really have an amateur career or anything. It was just somebody that was offered as an opponent. Yeah, so an older novice or whatever. Yeah, like, like, just like, and they were like, it'll be a quick win. And my coach was like, no. And I was just like, come on, like, can't I just get an easier net? And he was like, no, like, you're not going to learn from that. So that no was- No quick wins. Yeah, that was the, and I mean, that kind of is the MO with a lot of people. Like, if you look at a lot of people with, particularly women, because of the, the, shallowness or the lack of depth in some competition you see people now primarily i think we're being built a little bit more like the men are built and so they're given a lot of fights with these people with kind of like questionable records and stuff which if we're being like candid is one of the things to give clarissa shields props for you know yeah that she's been developed and well there's a lot to say people have a lot of things to say about her but you know, she's, she's actively opted not to take that route. And I commend yep. her for that. Right. And there's often a lot of uh, guidance and development when there's money behind fighters. And she right. has, you know, consistently said that she wants to fight the best opposition. And for the last few years, she actively has been doing, uh, mm -hmm. she actively has been challenging herself, whether it's in mixed martial arts or in boxing. Speaking yeah. of speaking of which, though, I did notice that you had one fight on a Bellator card. Yeah. How how was uh, your foray, your toe dipping into mixed martial arts? How did that come um, about? I didn't love it. Um, I was offered this opportunity, and I was offered this opportunity to train with a camp that were are really fantastic, and. Uh, at the time, I couldn't get a boxing match. I couldn't get anyone to. So when I was fighting uh, consistently, my thing that I was always saying was, you don't need to like promote all of women's boxing. You just need to promote a couple of people. Like ESPN has only signed one woman. They are actively promoting one woman. Um, and then turning around and going, oh my God, we have women's boxing. You know, yeah, so. and it's fine. Like, and I'm not, this is not to slam top rank at all. Sure, but, sure. But I am saying that they're only have one person and they're doing it. And at the time I was like, I can carry that load. Like if you do that, if you line me up with, in the way that people have been lined up, I can absolutely do that. Um, and people weren't able, I think to see that vision, I think there also wasn't the 
uh, platforms available, really, I think streaming service have really opened up for women. I think like people streaming and needing more content created a space for people to be a little more accepting for women in fighting. I think that was one of the things that's not necessarily discussed all the time. It's like, oh, well, women's boxing's open up. It's like, yeah. And part of the reason is because there's more platforms now. So there's more opportunity and they just need more content. And they understand that there's yeah. more people watching. There are women who watch these things and there are people who enjoy that. Um, and so I was offered this opportunity to fight. Um, and I trained for not a really long time. Um, and I felt pretty, I felt good at where I was in terms of my training and my abilities. But um, that fight in general, that whole card was a shit show. Uh, it was just, it was a fucking joke, to be honest with you. It was a fucking joke. And I was, um, you know, I have ideas about why I was encouraged to do it, but ultimately I think, you know, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't a good decision. Um, on anyone's behalf, primarily mine, I suppose. Well, needless to say, I mean, uh, there have been a lot of fighters who have tried to make that transition either from mixed martial arts to boxing or vice versa. And I mean, needless to say, for the most part, fighters are fighters. That's not to say it's the same thing, but yeah. you're not certainly not alone, uh, especially among women fighters who have, at least for the opportunity, had to branch out for that opportunity. Yeah, and, and to to be fair, um, Scott Coker had just taken over Bellator. I was the first woman that he signed, I think, there. Um, he was always very kind to me. I think he kind of understood marketability and the buying power of people. And um, I give him tons of props for that, actually. You know, he did that on Strike Force with Gino Carano and the Cyborg and stuff. So he understands women's fighting. Um, what I what I realized is like, well, I like jujitsu, like I don't love MMA. I love boxing. I don't love MMA and I don't love fighting. You know, I have a lot of friends who are MMA fighters and I respect all of the disciplines and there is a, a, a ground rule of like respect with everyone, but I just, I don't love MMA in the way that I love boxing. Boxing is always going to be my first love when it comes to combat sports. I like all sorts, but boxing's yeah. different. Well, you're a bare knuckle fan, I see, which is wild, yo. Bare knuckle boxing is wild. You know, it's it's at a very strange uh, juncture right now as far as its development, um, mm. where it's like, it's really on the cusp of kind of being more legitimate um, mm. and mainstream, but it's, it's tough. It's a tough sell. It's bloody, it's brutal. It's, uh, you know, it's usually pretty abrupt. And so it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's rough stuff, dude. You know, anybody who's ever been in a, a bare knuckle fight, which is just a street fight, right. they know it fucking hurts to get hit in the face with a bare fist. And so that's definitely not for everybody. If you've ever been in a boxing ring and get hit with a boxing glove, that doesn't feel great either, but it's a boxing glove and you're like, you're okay. You know, right. you get hit with a fist and like, you're not okay. Yeah, so it's, I can imagine yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's not something I have any interest in. So in the last, you know, um, it's really been a development over the last few years, but it's especially been in the last year or so. Needless to say, there's been a lot of dust kicking up about women's boxing. Mm -hmm. um, you were talking about that a moment ago. And the discussion for such a long time is like, well, you know, who wants to see that shit? Because it's not bringing in money. And look at the ratings it does and all this type of stuff. That that was the, that was the kind Always of the argument. The argument that was, was the carbon copy 
argument. Oh, it won't sell. It's da -da -da -da. But, but the but the easy response to that, which never got a response itself, was then. But it's not getting the opportunity to sell. Right. You're not putting money into it. You're not right. doing anything to promote it the way you're promoting men's boxing. So right. how could you possibly know the output, the potential output, when you're not putting it in? And it's like you know that's and nobody ever had. Uh, a serious answer to that because they would always fall back on like, well, what about Christy Barton? What about Mia St. John? What about this person? It's like, first of all, those are outliers. Okay. And second of all, they were viewed differently than how is women's boxing right now is developing right now. They were a little more of like a sideshow and a little less viewed precisely. as precisely legitimate singular athletes. And while the sex appeal aspect of it is obviously still part of it, it's mm -hmm. not as big a part of it currently. And there's more focus on the skill and the opposition. Mm -hmm. So do you feel as though, I mean, I, I seems as though you agree with what I'm saying. And do you feel as though, if so, uh, that's one of the reasons why you're taking this opportunity now, why it's like, it's time. Yeah, I do. And I also think there's space in the sport in both boxing and like in women's boxing, but in boxing overall for different people to be represented and different opinions to be represented. And, you know, I think a lot of times what happens is people fall in line with a, what's the word? I guess like an equation that they deem kind of acceptable or whatever. Boxing is very, very resistant to change. It is, but you know, somebody who's done a really good job of that is Eddie Hearn, you know, I will say like, he's, what from the outside, what Eddie Hearn has seemed to realize is that it's about marketing and there will be an audience if you give it to them. And not every woman has to be the most skilled, but some of them are just going to be out there. And if somebody wants to show up to a weigh-in in a G-string with her tits out, let her, let them in all your heart, and then she's going to fight. Like, and I don't disagree with that. I think that there's space for everyone. And I think that if that's drawing eyes to a sport, it's fine. I don't, I think possibly when I was fighting before, I was a little more resistant to that. Like, I think I was like, oh, I'd really like to be accepted as uh, an athlete, blah, blah, blah. but maybe perhaps the older I've gotten and the more settled I've gotten in like my politics as well, the more I've understood that just like, girl, take the money, take the money, make the money, take the money, give yourself a platform, give yourself a platform, give yourself an opportunity. You know, um, I have some issues with like, I think like most boxers with like YouTube influencer stuff, like it's questionable to me. I feel some kind of way about it, but that's different than somebody who is wanting to be a boxer and just, you know, is following a different lane than like the quote unquote traditional athlete and the traditional female athlete necessarily. Well, the there's, yeah, I think that, um, especially knowing you a little bit more, knowing you and kind of your belief system and politics a little bit more than most probably. Um, obviously, that has been a contentious issue as far as how are women fighters marketed and promoted and what is used to promote them. But I think right. that the fundamental misunderstanding that so many people in boxing, the vast majority of them our men in boxing misunderstand something they just don't understand is this has nothing to do with whether or not it's okay for a woman to wear 
a g-string or lingerie or a bikini or whatever it is or sell herself in a sexual manner the part is that she is doing it and not that's you exactly that's exactly it. there's a very big difference with between someone actively choosing to market you in a specific manner and perhaps impressing what they want to get out of you onto you in order to sell a b c d e whatever it is be it boxing or whatever as a woman um and there's a whole other thing with as a woman having autonomy over your body and what you do with it and how you look and how you show up in the world and what you want to do and if, if you want to show your tits then you want to show your like i don't have any issue with that i don't and that and doesn't I'm, make you dirty it doesn't make you bad it doesn't make you slutty it doesn't make you any of those there's things not, there's not anything with that and i think i'll I mean, and again, I guess this comes down to like politics and kind of belief systems, which is what you touched on. And I'm, you know, pretty outspoken about mine. And I have spit a, it because I anybody who doesn't like it can shut it off. Stuff, you know, like, and I think that I, when I was boxing before, I definitely was a little more, um, you know, my politics have always been my politics and the things I believed in have always been fundamentally the things I believe in. But I think I was less likely to be outspoken because I was a little concerned with boxing being a male dominated sport and having men running it and having them look at me and think of me in a certain way and i think now i just don't give a fuck and the truth of the matter is like women have the right to bodily autonomy in all manners i mean not necessarily in the united states right now in terms of their what they can do with their it's an ongoing discussion right but, but there is but there you know women can do whatever they want to do and it does not there's no value placed on that and it's not and then all like um anything that's like placed on women that has to do with propriety or showing up in society in a way that is proper is always rooted in a patriarchal like oppressive system and the root of those always like comes down to white supremacy so if people are telling Floressa shields they don't like her hair or how she wears her hair it's because it's a patriarchal system and it's men largely who are telling her that they, they don't think it's proper or whatever, but that's rooted in white supremacy. It's always rooted in like, particularly I'm using her as an example with like anti-blackness, right? So she, well, it's, an, it's, it's, it's a super, woman, right? it's a super and, easy example because people are constantly going in on her, like to a point where it's like, shut the fuck up, dude. For things that, uh, is none of the fucking business and honestly or things that or things that white fighters or white male fighters do all the time but don't get shit for male fighters do all the time and they don't get any slack for it you know um and i think yeah i think that there's i think that still exists i think that's a thing but i think now part of my deal i guess is that i don't really give a fuck and i think there's space for somebody who thinks like that like i don't feel like i need to wedge myself into some uniform position in order to fit in in boxing or in this space and I think there are a lot more people in the world who think like me than not actually and I think boxing in a lot of ways is fairly antiquated and fairly white and patriarchal but I think there's a lot more progressive people and there's a lot of people who like fighting that you don't think like fighting, but they are not welcomed into the sport. They're not given the opportunity to learn about the sport. They're not welcomed into fight space. Um, and a lot of times when they butt heads with the politics that are associated with boxing, which are again, antiquated and like patriarchal and pretty shitty a lot of the time, um, 
they don't want to engage and I'm not mad at them for not wanting to engage, but maybe it's time that there was somebody who was able to kind of shoulder that and was willing to like take that hit. And I'm kind of there. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't really give a fuck what anybody thinks about me. Eh, like you're some dude on Twitter and you want to talk to me about like what I look like, or you have some racist shit for me. Like bring that shit on. Like you don't like my politics. Oh, you don't like that. I think we should abolish the police. I'm so sorry, but you know what? I don't fucking care. And there are a lot of people who align with that and who understand what I'm saying. And I think that there's space for that. And that's kind of what, that's one of the motivating factors for me, to be honest with you. It's like, everyone's always like, oh, I want to inspire people and I want to motivate people. And you want to motivate people to burn it down. Burn this bitch the fuck down. <laughs> build systems that up, like uplift us, build systems that keep us healthy. Hey, I'm not laughing at you, I'm laughing with build you. Build systems that help us and be that societally or be that within the sport of boxing. Like I want to make boxing welcoming to people. I want like, I want different types of people to feel welcome at boxing. And if you show up to one of my boxing matches, it's not going to be typical boxing fans. It's going to be my fans. It's going to be my friends. And they are super diverse. They are super educated and they're going to show the fuck up and take up space. And that's what the fuck I want. And I think to boxing, they're being stupid because you're missing out on this market and this demographic that will is educated and will spend money and want to believe in something and want to believe in someone, but they don't have anyone that they can find that aligns with their beliefs or that they want to root for or that they like as a human being. And I think that, you know, I'm not for everyone. Let's be clear. Like there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to like me and that's fine, but there's going to, I, over the last few years have encountered a lot of people out of the blue that I've met in person or something I'm like, oh yeah, I know you from Twitter. Oh yeah, I know you from whatever. Like I fuck with what you're saying. Um, there was a young man who came into my boxing gym like three months ago and he kind of interrupted me. Um, I was working out, it was fine. He's lovely, his name's Daniel. And he was like, hey, I just, you're Holly Austin. I was like, yeah. And he was like, I want to tell you, I follow you in boxing and I box here, he boxes in the gym. And he was just like, I really like all of the things that you say about social justice on social media. And I was just like, oh, that's so nice. Like it's something I don't know. And I got, and I, I don't speak about things because I feel like I need people to listen to me. That's the, the difference I think is, um, I believe in speaking from my heart. I believe in speaking on things in which I'm educated in and knowledgeable about. And if I'm not, I will kindly step aside and point you in the direction of someone who is far more well-learned. Um, but I, you know, I say things that I believe in. And I think that a lot of times people need to know and people need to hear that it's okay to do that. And that there are people out there who have those same things and are willing to kind of stand up for what you believe in and what you think and aren't necessarily just going to roll over because that's what society or what boxing or, what, you know, boxing systems wants you to believe in. And I think we need that as a society. We need people who are willing to fight. We need people who are willing to have a voice about things that matter. And the things that matter can't just always be your fucking bullshit, you know? They can't be bullshit. Like I pay really close attention to things that I think people don't always pay attention to. So I clock what people say on Twitter. Like I pay attention to who you follow. I pay attention to what you like. I know the boxing journalists that you align with. I can tell if you're saying something. I know when George Floyd was killed and there was massive protests internationally, I can tell you which female boxers didn't come out and say anything. 
Like I can tell you who did who didn't who didn't feel the need to say something about Black Lives Matter mattering or because they do. Um, and I think that I just think there's space for it. I think there's need for it, especially now when things are, you know, uh, punky. Well, I truthfully I'm a nihilist. Like I am by nature not an optimist, which I think surprises people. But I I, I don't think the best of the human race. Um, but Things are fucked and we are at a point that's rapidly coming to a boiling point. And I think particularly in America, um, we're gonna have to acknowledge where we are politically. And that's gonna mean some people are gonna have to be uncomfortable and people are gonna need to make decisions. And you're gonna have to stop worshiping capitalism and money and bullshit on TV that tells you that you need to flash dollars and you're gonna have to start helping the unhoused person that lives on your corner. And you're gonna have to start, you know, I don't know, making our education system better and finding a way to provide healthcare for everyone. If people get cancer, they should not have to crowdfund to pay for cancer treatments. Or, you know, the, the, the old American feel good story of a seven-year-old owing money for lunch. And they're the classmates pitching in, you know, it's like, that's not a happy story, bro. That's a fucking sad story. Those stories of teachers who are giving up their PTO so their like coworker can take time off to get chemo. Like that is not yeah, that's not a happy story. It's not, but you don't see enough people talking about and here's I mean, if we're being real, we don't all need to talk about this in this way. I I don't believe in that either. I think uh there are some people that their opinions don't really matter because they're not that fucking bright. <laughs> if I'm being honest. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear them talk about it. They can talk about their bullshit because that's all they have to say. All they have to talk about is whatever they have to talk about, and that is their lane. But it does not mean that there are not people out there, athletes, boxers, people in the space of boxing that believe in things and are intellectually able to uphold these conversations and are able to discuss this. And I'm hoping that we, we find more of them. Like I'm always bombed when I'm on Twitter and I'm the only boxer talking about something that seems like a really big deal politically to me. And not just to me because I'm a woman or because I'm an, a woman of color or because I'm an immigrant, like none of those things. Like just because I'm a human being who lives where I live and who is engaged in the world in the way that I engage, I'm always disappointed when, and I follow a lot of boxers and then obviously the people I follow, they come through my timeline. So it's like, I'm constantly disappointed that no one's there speaking, you know, truth to power or saying things that are maybe a little contentious to the majority or willing to engage in conversations about things. Um, it's disappointing, truly. I'm hoping we find more of them. <laughs> I think that there are more of them. And I think that you're right. Um, I think that more or less, I mean, I count myself with you. You know that. I pretty much agree with you almost the entire way. And obviously, uh, I think we're outnumbered. But at the same time, the one of the bigger issues, and apart from the numbers, is that the people who are generally believing the opposite of what we're believing, I suppose, are far more vocal, far more loud about it. Hmm. And that is effective. And yeah. so that is not helpful. However, there is room. There's a lot of room. Uh, there's a lot of diversity in boxing. 
And there's, I mean, it really is kind of like the name of the game, not to just be cliche, but it's true. Um, and especially now with women's boxing uh, opening up the way that it is, if we are to expect boxing to continue and to progress, there's going to have to be some changes on the overall belief system. And there's going to have to be some changes as far as what the sport itself is open to or whatever, either whether that's women's boxing or whether that is a fighter taking a knee during the national anthem. Can you fucking believe, can you imagine what would happen? Like, I mean, you know, like they're bad about it. And I don't stand for the national anthem. Like they're bad about well, it in, in football. The national anthem, but like, has anyone like, like, I've never even seen that attempted in boxing. So, I mean, I don't know, but the, the point being, you know, it's just, it's very, uh, it's a very difficult thing to navigate. And I think that it is, that's a tough road. That's a tough road. And I do admire you for taking it and for uh, sticking to your beliefs. I do have to ask. And I mean, this is kind of a cliche question in and of itself, but just out of curiosity, just because I've never heard you tell the story. How did you get into boxing? What's your, uh, what's the connection to boxing? Oh, um, like young connection, I suppose, if you have one. No, I wasn't in the box. I didn't start boxing until I was in my early twenties. Okay. I had, I was living in LA and I wanted to get in shape and I needed to lose some weight. So I went to a gym and there was a boxing class started a gym and the instructor had, was a former world champion. And he was like, you're really good. You should go to a boxing gym. And I just loved it. And he was like, you're really good. You should go to a boxing gym. And at the time, um, I just started working at Amoeba Music and the owner, uh, Jimmy, was had been an amateur boxer when he was younger and he was like you know there's a really famous boxing gym down the street and so i went to wildcard and i wandered into the gym and that was kind of like that was my and i'd started at another gym downtown then i went to wildcard and that was like my home gym so that was i wandered in and i would go just because i loved it and i was obsessed with it so i show up every day at 8 a.m and i'd work up for two hours before work and i'd walk to work and it was you know it was a couple blocks away and uh i just loved it and for a long time i tried to have a few amateur fights and I could never get an opponent. One time I showed up, she didn't show up and there was a few things, but I was also working careers and I was doing a million different things. And so I just was like, I love this. This is what I do. Everyone was like, Oh, Tali, like she goes to work out at the boxing gym. That's what she does. And then at a certain point I hit, um, kind of my late twenties and I got a little bit of a push and someone was like, who I, my boyfriend at the time who, love me dearly was like, if you want to do that, you should do that. And I kind of was, had never really considered it because of what we're saying about women's boxing, the landscape of women's boxing and the viability and monetarily, did it make any sense? And I kind of was like, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And then um, it started this journey and it took me a couple of years to really get into it. Um, I mean, I told this story a few times, but I ended up in a really terrible, like pretty violent relationship that I had to leave. And when I left that, I left with nothing. Like I lost everything. I lost my whole life. And um, part of my like comeback from that for me was me doing the things that I had wanted to do before I'd ended up in this relationship. And so that was, I came back and I was living with, um, She's not biologically my sister, my sister, my godmother's mother. And um, she was going to school at the time and I would take her kids to school and I would pick them up and then I'd go to work and I'd go to the gym and like we had this situation. And then 
that was like the first month or two where I kind of like needed to get back on my feet because I had lost everything. And all I could do was, um, the only thing that would ground me would be boxing. But I had this weird relationship with it because I didn't want to go back to my home gym because I knew that he knew I would be there. And so I was really scared of that. And um, I ended up training and I had friends who trained me and I was working at this gym and I was teaching boxing classes and training as a personal trainer. And I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna enter the Golden Gloves. And I entered the Golden Gloves and I won the state. And um, there's a whole story that surrounds that that's pretty like powerful really. And then from there, you know, I took the next step and turned pro. And that was, me turning pro was as much about me boxing because I love the sweet science, which I truly do. And it was equally about me putting myself back together. Putting yourself back together through getting torn apart in a boxing ring. Yeah. And so I, um, when I was getting ready for the Golden Gloves, you know, my life was a mess. I was just trying to like figure things out. I was, you know, I just started where I was working and I was trying to save money and I was training and I didn't, I was fucking lost. And I had just left this really like wildly abusive relationship and the, and he was violent and terrible. And so one of the ways that I could without understanding, like, you know, I've been through years of therapy now, so I'm fine, but like, or I'm not fine, but I've been through years of therapy so I can talk about this in a manner that I didn't know. I didn't have the words to articulate the process I was going through, but basically I was finding ways to like be in my body again and and have ownership of my body, my space and feel have safe. Have your own identity. Yeah, have my own identity and also like uh, be able to make myself do things that are scary and hard and um, so I entered the golden gloves and the week before the golden gloves, I was sparring. I had to weigh in on the Monday cause the golden gloves were the weekend. So you'd weigh in and they'd see who you would have to fight throughout the week. And on the Friday I was boxing and I got out of the ring and I was kind of like, Oh, my chest hurts. and like, my back's a little sore. And I was like struggling to breathe. And I was like, shit, did I like crack a rib or something? But it wasn't this intense pain. So I, um, my friend's mom was a masseur. So I went to her and she was like, uh, she said, oh, I think you have ribs out in your back. And I didn't even know this was a fucking thing. Like I had no idea. And like, I'm a personal trainer, I understand anatomy, but like that doesn't happen when you are young and healthy. And so she was like, you should go to a chiropractor. They can put it back in, it's not a big deal. So I went I've to the done that twice, yep. And the, the crazy thing was that I hadn't understood it, but I went to the chiropractor and he was like, listen, this is really unusual because you have a lot of muscle on your back and the muscle in your back is what holds your rib in place. So like." what happened? And I said, well, I'm a boxer. And I think I turned, you know, I turned like a right uppercut and I think I, I, whatever. And he was like, okay, well it's three ribs and those top or the bottom, the bottom two, absolutely. That explains it. And he pushed it, and he literally just like moves them back into place. Yeah. And you can feel them go crack, 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 crack. You can feel them move, but it doesn't hurt. And it is the wildest yeah. because I don't think we think that our body operates in this manner. So basically I, I remember being that. like, ow, ow. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. And then you're okay. done because when they're out of place, they're painful because they're supposed to be kind of hooked into this hook on your spine. And so he moved the top, the bottom two. And then the top one, he said, um, this has been out of place for a while. There's some scar tissue holding it in place. Like, did you not ever notice that this was sore? And he poked it and I was like, yeah, but like, 
I always thought when I came to my right hand, maybe I'm a boxer and I have a high pay threshold and blah, blah, blah. And he was like, well, and he was like, no, like something happened to you because you're athletic. So he was like, this happens to old people if they're in a car accident. If you're 85 years old and you're in a car accident, this is something I would see in them. What, like something happened to you. And he, you know, he kind of estimates the time frame. And I knew what had happened. And um, the person I'd been in a relationship with had thrown me against a wall. And I remembered feeling it at the time. And he, and so, and I felt it and I kind of like, whatever, I was able to kind of like bring myself down and then I would feel it occasionally, but again, high pain threshold and I'm a boxer. And so it's just like, I didn't, I didn't associate it with like an actual injury. I was kind of just like, oh, and then if I'm being entirely transparent, which I don't know that I've ever said this, but like, I never really had it checked out even when I left because there was like a fear of, um, acknowledging what had happened to my body if that makes sense um and so there was this like probably unconscious fear of that that like kept me from doing that and i'm like fuck it you just do it you grin and bear it and you work through it you know that's what you do and that's what all fighters do like if you ask any fighter who's gone through some shit and who was working through some stuff and who is me and is working jobs and training and like you have family stuff. Like you look at these stories of fighters and like people from the outside, I was like, how do you do this? And it's, you make yourself do this thing. So he put that rib back in place and it was painful because he had to break some scar tissue to put it back in place. But when he did, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to fight in the golden gloves next week. And he was just like, no, no, like, don't do that. And I said, well, am I going to be injured? And he was like, no, like it might come out again just because I just put it back in place. But like, if you leave it alone for a couple of weeks, it'll heal. It'll never happen again. You'll be good. And I was like, well, what if I do fight and it comes out? Like, what's the worst that can happen? He was like, well, you can come back and I'll put it back in for you. But like, I really don't recommend <laughs> And I was like, okay. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do that. And of course I did that because this is me and that's what yeah, I did. Just put it back I, in, buddy. Don't I worry about and it. I won and I won the state championships. And like, that was the the thing and that was the moment that I really was able to kind of step out of the like pain of dealing with this well it was like it was like several birds with one stone you know yeah and it was like that was the you know and my life didn't magically turn into some fairy tale at that point but it was a moment where I had this understanding that carries me off through a lot of things and I I use that story and that analogy. I do a lot of speaking to young girls because that's kind of what I think maybe my purpose is. It's like my purpose is like to be the person that I probably needed as a child. So if I needed, if, I, if there's someone that can tell a story that can resonate with someone and give them some validity and like some power to move forward in some way or encourage them in some way, then I always want to be that. Um, and so when I'm telling this story, the kind of the the gist of it generally is just that we all carry this like pain and these burdens around with us but you're never going to know what they are until you like address them and amend them and fix them so like 
if you don't put your rib back in place, you're never going to know your ribs really out of place. You're just going to walk around with this kind of nagging pain on your scapula. And every time you throw a right hand, it's going to be a little, eh. and sometimes it'll be more sore than others. And it might get inflamed and you might not be able to do like a pull up properly or something, but you, you'll get through life. But the second that you have somebody see that recognize, recognize it, help you put it back together in some way, even if it hurts you, the process of putting that rib back in, of course, this is just an analogy. Um, then you can a good analogy. You, well, you can understand the pain that you've been carrying around and the things, and you can't get rid of that weight until you can see it and recognize it and do what you can to amend it. And that's something that I use in my life every single day. That is the, the thing that drives me largely. You know, Holly, I thought we were just going to come on here and have like a friendly conversation. <laughs> what are you doing to me? Okay. No. <laughs> no, honestly, um, needless to say, a lot of this I didn't know. Yeah. A lot of this other people who are going to be watching or listening didn't know. And this is important thing. This is important stuff for people to understand because it's outside the scope. Well, I'll get back to that in a second. But it's generally speaking outside the scope of what people hear as far as fighters' backstories and life stories. We hear a lot of cliched stuff and we hear a lot of things that we, there are like the kinds of stories we hear all of the time for every fighter. Right. But, um, you know, there, it, it's kind of like, as you said earlier, there are far more people with these experiences, these kinds of experiences and that kind of pain, whether it's literal rib pain or that proverbial pain that yeah. they carry around and don't know how to get rid of it or even just address it. And it's important to be able to do those things. And it's important to be able to recognize that that's okay to do those things. That it's like being tough is good. But yeah. it's a different kind of tough to be able to look inward and know that there's something that needs to be fixed inside. Um, you know, it sounds like back in 2012, uh, you had four wins in a row. Was it three or four wins in a row? Four wins in a row, right? Yeah. It's a lot of momentum. Uh-huh. Especially for you know, in women's uh, boxing, yeah. what have you been doing in the last 10 years? People are going to ask that. Um, I mean, so to be clear, I did not stop boxing because I wanted to stop boxing. I stopped boxing because I didn't make any money. I had someone who was managing me and that's managing me in air quotes there. Um, and when I had, when he had spoken to me about managing me, he didn't work in boxing. And my thing was like, this is what you need to do. You just need to sell me. I can carry it. I am articulate. I clean up pretty well. I speak well. I'm, I'm good on camera. Just let, let, I can do this. You just line me up. And that relationship did not work for many reasons, primarily because he was not great. Um, and I was disheartened and I kind of had just been grinding for so long. And at a certain point, you just, when you hit like When you hit the bottom so many times and you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. And the grind was just a lot. Like I was like, I don't, I can't do this right now. And so I just put the pieces together. You know, I, I got this one job and then this led to this and this led to this. And I ended up training celebrities, which was based off this job that I got. And like, and it, it led to me training, working in Hollywood. And that's, you know, a large, the bulk of my clientele now is that, and I'm training and, You'd ask me uh, 
in my early 20s or in my mid 20s if I had been or late 20s if I wanted to be a personal trainer I was like no that's not really for me intellectually it's I don't find it super stimulating it's not my deal you know I come from an arts background um like painting is my first love but I really um I really like what I do and I really like helping people and I think I had found this lane that allowed my gifts to really shine and my gifts aren't like I'm not a fucking meathead. I don't believe in that shit. I don't believe in the blah, blah, blah that's associated or a lot of the really unhealthy stuff that comes along with the supposed wellness industry now. Um, but I think it gave me a space to be really uh, a little bit of a healer and to work on myself a little bit and, or a lot. And that's what I've been doing. And I think now I'm at a place where I'm like, this is what I want right now. Like I have this window of opportunity. I don't want to fight for forever. I'm not saying I want to come back and fight for 10 years. Like I see this road to this destination and this is the destination. And I know that if I bust my ass, I can get there. And I also know that again, the landscape is different. The climate is different. Um, I think it's probably more welcoming to a person like me. Um, and I think there's space for someone who really cares about the world. I think boxing but everyone in general needs somebody who's willing to fight for them right now you know and um and i think one of the things about boxing that's often discounted is and i think with women's boxing largely too but i think part of the problem with boxing now when everyone's like oh there's no superstars in boxing there's no no no, no whatever even people with like large followings or huge platforms or whatever uh if people don't connect to you emotionally and don't like you, nobody really cares. And one of the cool things about boxing has always been that your favorite fighter could lose a fight, but it wouldn't matter because they'd still be your favorite fighter. And most of the time, your favorite fighter is your favorite fighter for some intangible qualities as well as their skill. So it's not just their skill set, it's also there's something in their personality or their backstory that represents you in some way and you, you feel aligned with them in some manner. And I think we need more of that. I think we need more people being less plastic and more people being their authentic selves so people can really root for them as people. And I think that, I think there's space for that right now. You know, I really, the things I care about the most are all tied to social justice and um, largely rooted in like food justice and access to food right now because it's something that I understand in terms of nutrition and that's something I'm super passionate about and I have a few projects that I'm working on with that and that's something I really care about and I think there's really space I think that people love Muhammad Ali because of who he was as well as his boxing right and he's the easy go-to answer he's the easy example for that but i think there's been many boxers over the ages that um have been that and have been kind of like the people's champ or whatever and i think we're sadly lacking that but i think it's a lot because people are afraid to be authentic um because they don't want to spoil sponsorship or they don't want to step outside of whatever or maybe they just don't care i don't i don't know you know this is me well you a see a lot of on social media, and I mean, social media might not be the greatest way to judge people, much less fighters. But yeah. nonetheless, it, it, that's all people have access to. So it's like, that's what we got to judge you. Yeah. And you do see a lot of fighters um, 
it's not I'm not I'm not suggesting that inspirational quotes are meaningless or don't help. I mean, but just but just putting out something like, you know, the haters going to keep me grinding, grind on the haters is like, you know what I'm saying? Like something like that is just kind of like, that's meaningless. That doesn't help you. That doesn't help me. That's all that's doing is like getting some numbers on your social media. It doesn't do anything. And whereas the root of that is based in like hustle culture. And if you look at the root of like hustle culture, it's based on capitalism and like having to like turn your body into something that you're going to sell for money. Right. And money Work four money. jobs if you have to. And, and it's like, like fuck that. Like, I don't want four jobs. I want one job that pays me. All right. That thing is not healthy and we shouldn't be living like that. Like we shouldn't have to be working four jobs to survive. No one should. And people existing because they exist as a human being makes them valuable. Like you're valuable just because you exist. You deserve access to food and education and housing because you are human who exists. And I think that, yeah, so I, I don't disagree with you. I think that there's a lot of that. And it's interesting because social media, I have a, uh, I'm not super into it. I'm also older. So I'm not like, I didn't grow up with a phone in my face, right? I grew up at a time that when I left Canada, I left Canada with a backpack and I took a bus to Mexico to go to Chiapas to work with the EZLN. And so there will be some people that will listen to this and, I be like, know that. and they will understand so much about me from that. And a lot of people will not, but I took a bus. There were no cell phones at that time. I mean, people had them, but like regular people did not really just have well, them all the time. It will, and for anybody, sorry to interrupt you, but for anybody who listens to that and they're like, gee, what, what? Chiapas is down in the far south of Mexico in the kind of like jungle portion of Mexico. And in the last few decades, there's been just absolute ravaging warfare between uh, basically competing political factions to the point where people around the southern border of Mexico are like in poverty. Like it's not a good deal. And the EZLN is an organization that is comprised of indigenous groups there on the Guatemalan, Chiapas is right on the border of Guatemala. And in the mid, early to mid nineties, they staged essentially a coup and they were demanding resources from the government, just basic amenities, roads, um, electricity, basic things. And they did it with guns in the ways that it needed to be done. And um, they were some people, you know, that was a group that I, believed in and believed and still believe in and still believe in their struggle. Um, I think, yeah. And I think that that's, so that anyway, that that's like the, like a primary example of like politically where I align myself and the things that I'm willing to do, but also I didn't grow up with a cell phone. So like I did this thing, I ended up in Mexico for months and months and months. I traveled around by bus with a backpack but people didn't have cell phones and there were no social media. There was just like, I just lived my life and absorbed moments and met people and created these pathways that have in a roundabout long way rooted me in Los Angeles. Um, but I, yeah, and I, this is all to say that I don't love social media. So that was a really long thing, but um, I don't love social media. I think part of it is because it's not native to me. It's not something that I, I grew up with and I'm wildly private by nature. So I don't want you to know everything. Well, this is all going out on the podcast, so I'm sorry, but this, well, this is going to be private fine. no more. Those stories are fine, but like, I don't need you to know every little detail about me. And I think we, you know, social media has its ups and downs. I think in a large part, um, the beneficial things like say on Twitter, like we're friends because we met on Twitter, right? I have a lot of in real life friends that I met on Twitter that I've been friends with for a decade plus now. 
and they are my closest friends. So you are able to find some people who are, remember, you know, your people, people who have the same interests and beliefs as you. I love that about social media. I love that, you know, you can see these people who maybe pre that didn't have acknowledgement or, or couldn't find a community and now they can find a community. But the flip side of that is that everyone, you know, things are monetized and everyone needs to do everything for social media. And that's everything is being done for show as opposed to being done for authenticity. And I think that's kind of where we're lost, you know? Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a massive disconnect between what happens online and on apps and with likes and retweets and shares and how much attention you're getting versus what the implications of that are in real life. And for the vast majority of people, it's like, I'm not getting paid for posting shit. You're not getting paid for posting shit. You know, John down the street ain't getting paid for posting shit. Like that's celebrity shit. And the, you know, feeling as though like, anyway, well, it's a, it's a big act for everybody. It's a massive act. And so I totally get like, you know, the falseness of social media makes it kind of tough sometimes, especially if you remember a time where that was not around, but you had, you know, the interaction was more in person. Um, you know, it's, it's pretty amazing though, going over your, obviously this is only small chunks of your journey, Mm -hmm. but Canada to Mexico, to LA, to golden gloves, I mean, Bellator even, it's a pretty big journey, but now we got July 30th. July 30th. And I know there's still, there's still a lot of stuff being ironed out. And so, you know, it's the nature of sometimes fights are not, sometimes you got to fight TBA sometimes (laughs) it happens, you know? Right. Yeah. So what, uh, you said earlier that you're feeling really good training and everything's kind of in motion to kick it on back up. Everything's flowing. And I had really wanted to, um, you know, I had this idea of like grand things to do stuff surrounding the fight, but, um, life has thrown some curveballs my way, which it tends to do, uh, so I'm just really focused on getting this fight and winning and feeling good and sparring is fantastic and everything is flowing. And I think, I mean, people will be, would be lying if they said that somehow sparring is not tough. It is. And it has been, but I think I just hit like new levels recently. There's a, a thing that happens. I think most boxers understand this. There's like a moment where stuff like relaxes and everything comes together and the pieces come together and then it's like oh i'm seeing this oh it's fine like i'm I'm not thinking about doing that anymore i'm I'm just doing it catch an encounter and that one thing that like my timing was a little off because like you know that's the other thing like you have to get your timing and your distance and that's all you know that's all running on full cylinders right now so i feel really good about that um i'm really excited about it and i love boxing so it's something that i'm excited to do all I know, I couldn't even tell you how many people are in LA anymore. I've been out of Southern California a long time, but I know there's a lot of motherfuckers in LA. So some of these people better be showing up to Commerce Casino on July 30th. They just need to hit me. I have tickets. They can DM me. Um, I'll have tickets for them at Will Call. I think I'm going to have t-shirts for them too. Uh, I'm going to strong arm people into doing this. I'm going to tell them they better do this. I, I, I honestly need the support because it's a, you know, it's a situation. It's a local promoter. So the, I need to sell tickets to kind of cover this fight. Um, but I have these dope ass t-shirts that are kind of in the making right now that this fantastic artist Defer did. And my friend Ali Asha designed um, and they're just fire. They're like super cool. And you'll be there amongst a bunch of like, great people and there's a lot of people who are not really into boxing who will be there and that's 
that's my key. Like I'm really excited to introduce boxing to people. My favorite thing in the world is to take people who've never been to a boxing match to a boxing match and be like, this is what it is. Here you go. Well, You're going to love it. I've never honestly, taken anyone to a fight and had them not like it. It's well, it's, you know, going to a live fight, different animal. It honestly is like, you could say that about a whole bunch of different sports and it's true. Like for instance, baseball, quick example, I fucking can't stand watching baseball on TV, but it's like, you go to the park and it's like, Oh, this is fucking great. But like, you know, same similar situation with boxing is like you take somebody to a live fight and they're, they're hooked. They want more. They want to go to more. They love it. Like every time. Um, Look, I, I really appreciate you uh, spending the time to tell your story because there are a lot of people out there who are going to connect with your story. Um, well, there just are, there's not really much past it beyond that. It's just that nobody gets to hear these stories because these stories aren't the stories that are often retold in boxing. Like it's people are focused on some other shit. So we need to get your story out there. I really appreciate you uh, telling it. And I appreciate you offering it up and um, consistently being a good sounding board for me. And it's, it's nice for me. Um, even when I feel, feel like the world is on fire and like social media is hell because sometimes it fucking is. Um, I love coming on Twitter and knowing that I have like, there's a, there's a gang there that I know that I'm like, you know, and I'm always happy when I meet everyone in person too. And it's just like, there's a whole crew of people that I just really like love so much. And then when I get to meet them in person, I was like, yes. And it's, it's nice knowing that y'all are out there. So for me, it, it feels good to know that like I have a gang, that even if we're outnumbered, um, I have people that I can kind of joke with about stuff and believe in the same things. And I know are going to like understand me. It's pretty cool. So for the people who do want to come out to Commerce Casino on the 30th, Yes. Um, you said that they can go ahead and get with you, DM you, whatever the case may be, which means find you on either Instagram or Twitter as Lil Bear Lawson, L-I-L-B-E-A-R-L-A-W-S-O-N. That's it. And I'll put that on the screen too for anybody watching who's, you know, having an issue with it. But hit Holly up, get some tickets, go have some fun, play some, you know, uh, black, some one single deck blackjack after that, do whatever the fuck it is you got to do. Casino that has not necessarily been updated in a while, but it's a scene because of that. And the fighting, they built this like outdoor area. It's kind of like a, it's, it sounds like, it sounds terrible, but it's like a giant tent room, but it's huge. It holds like a few thousand people, I think. Um, It's massive. And the fight's in there and the energy is great. And you'll be with great people. Um, there'll be entertainers there. There'll be some rappers there. There'll be a lot of people there. Um, and, you know, you can make friends with some cool people. I know some great people and they'll be there. And then you'll get to see the first leg of the Holly Lawson comeback in person. And you can say a couple of years from now, I was there. I, I, yes. And please, if you do... Um, DM me for tickets, come say hi afterwards. I love nothing more than meeting people, especially if like we've interacted on social media in some way. I love meeting people in person. It's like the greatest thing to me. So to close it out, thank you so much. Everybody who either listened in or watched, whatever the case may be, if you did listen in, please go ahead and find Holly, uh, where I just told you either on Twitter or Instagram is Little Bear Lawson. Also find the Knuckles and Gloves podcast on both uh, Instagram and Facebook. Also, I'm on Twitter individually, Patrick M. Connor. But not O'Connor. 
not O'Connor and not Mick Connor. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck got Mick Connor. Who? That's not even a name. Anyway, yeah. So everybody, thanks so much, Holly. We will talk soon, and good Thank luck. You. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.